welcome to the Big Fat Gay Podcast, where we talk about the things that are weighing on our minds. My name is Michael. I'm a chaser, and uh, today I am <laughs> I am a discombobulated combobulation boy. Oh my! Go- um, oh my goodness! We've done two weekday podcasts this week, which means my schedule is just all kinds of fucked. <laughs> <laughs> but I love it. I love it. We're, we're doing good. We're doing oh my good. God, it was this week. It feels so long ago yeah. in some ways. It's been insane. It, yeah, this has been one of those crazy weeks. Hi, hey, my name is Don. I'm a big chubby guy living in sunny Hollywood. And today I am the discombobulator because I don't feel like I'm going to be helping anyone get less discombobulated. <laughs> I will be contributing to the problem today. Uh, so, Hello, my name is Dan Oliverio, author, public speaker, and chubby chaser. And uh, you see the secret, Michael, my secret is I don't know what day it is. <laughs> well, <that's, laughs> so it does help. <laughs> it's ignorance is bliss. Your combobulations are all over the place. Yes, I don't know. I've never met the dis in discombobulation. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm Trevor Keeson. I'm a super chub, and today I'm uh, your resident rotting jack-o'-lantern. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm droopy. I'm squishy. There's some fluid, and you there's don't all know, that like black mold growing on the inside. No, it's the white fuzz. Oh yeah, true. And you don't know if you want to pick me up because you're afraid I might just fall apart. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, white fuzz so Christmassy. That's true. <laughs> Happy two days after Halloween to everyone. Yeah, hope you had a fun, fun Halloween, spooky Halloween. Spooky. Yeah. Lots and if you still candy. have candy left over, get in touch with us. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've, yeah. already, I've already eaten my full package of candy for this year. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> I have my cauldron over there. There he is does. a cauldron. I'm going to see if I can finish it. Uh, before Halloween? But, no, not before Halloween. By the end of Halloween. <laughs> okay. And just have a, a tummy ache. Um, I think it's a good plan. But think we just want to take a moment. Thank you to our thank new patrons. You. We have a, a bunch of new patrons this yeah. month. Yeah, thank you. Uh, and to our existing patrons. Thank, thank you, you very much for the support and for just being pretty awesome. I love seeing like we'll, we'll get comments like mm-hmm. somebody wrote on our uh, our D&D uh, role playing games across body type uh, mini-sode with me and Don and Trevor. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was really cool to see. And it's like fun little discussion going on there Yay. so That's thank wonderful. you guys very much uh, if you want to support us there we have cutting room floor of which we just yeah, did a we, very yeah. long segment that will be cut from this episode <laughs> and you can check it out if you want to hear about rotting pumpkins <laughs> and other rotting things no it's uh, not a, it's not like pop band <laughs> <laughs> yes those were already smashed um yeah, you can go check that out on Patreon, I guess. That's that's our pitch for this week. <laughs> Enjoy. Rotting pumpkins. There we are. Nothing um, better. Anyway, so so that's that. And yeah. today, it's a very special episode. We have a mailbag. For the first time in a long time, we are in Mailbag Town. Yes. So um, I feel like we've had a lot of new listeners lately, and I don't know if people just jump in. I feel like there's two camps. There's the people who jump in and the people who go to episode one, mm-hmm. which God bless those people. <laughs> um, so this is, this letter is a follow-up to last week's episode, where mm-hmm. we uh, episode 118, Piggy, mm-hmm. um, where we talked about the controversy around the Taylor Swift video, which has since been updated. Yeah. The video, uh, the video yes. has the video, been is, the video has been updated. Well, um, I guess that updates the controversy too. So everything's yeah. been updated. Yeah, that's um, but so they uh, removed the shot. Yes, the, well, the, the scale. For so those of you who don't recall, Taylor Swift uh, looks at a scale that she is standing on in the video, and it says "fat." Um, that is the discussion. And then, yeah. and then her other self yeah. admonishes her with a shaking finger, or disgusted yeah. look, her inner demon. 
Um, so they took out, I think, just the shot, right? Just the yeah, shot so of the, the word So the fact. scene is the same. And I... But I they took it... Wait, just to be clear. They took out the shot at the scale and the word. Mm-hmm. The word fact. Yes. Okay. But she still steps onto the scale, looks down at it, and is kind of sullen. And her evil self, Dark Taylor, mm-hmm. um, looks down at it and kind of admonishes her still. It's just an uninter- uninterrupted shot without that mm-hmm. the scale shot intersplicing it. Got it. All right. So uh, from IG user, hi, Big Fat Gay Podcast. I'm one of your many listeners. I have listened through your segment on Taylor Swift a few times and have been challenged to be more empathetic towards Swift. With that said, this part of the video doesn't seem very different to me from instances of smaller framed people talking about having gained weight and hating their bodies uh, or calling themselves fat in front of larger framed people and how annoying that can be from the fatter person's perspective. If I'm not mistaken, that has come up on the podcast and I don't think the discussion was as empathetic then. I'm not trying to call out on or read. I'm trying to see what I'm missing as far as one of the t- one of tone deafness of the video. I understand the necessity of vulnerability and sincerity as an artist, and I'm taking in what Swift is saying in the video as whole. Um, yeah, that's valid. And I think from our last discussion, it was very clear that there were multiple positions here in the room. Well, I mean, I, I can address that point as to what's different. Sure. Um, yeah. And I think, Michael, you might agree with this since I think you said it last time we talked mm-hmm. about this. Um, what's different for me is this. If you're out to lunch and you're the thin person and you're having lunch with a friend of yours that's a fat person and you start talking about, you know, how bad you feel about your body, you're talking to that other person and it's worth your while to have some sensitivity that like, hmm, maybe it's different for them or how your words are coming across to that one other person that you are talking to at that moment. What's different about this to me is that this is a piece of art put forth by an artist about the artist themselves. And I think it's in that camp of, yeah, this may not be for everybody. And I don't think it's about trying to feel sympathy for this artist. Uh, I don't think you need to. In fact, I think if you have the, if you have the reaction of like, well, fuck her, uh, I think that's perfectly fine because that's a legitimate response to a piece of art. Mm -hmm. Where I think this differs for me is that this was a work of art about the artist and then to say that that person doesn't have, like they, they can't interpret themselves their way for them, uh, that they have to be, it just, they, not all work is for all people, you know? Yeah. That's, that's my position. And similarly, I, I don't think, you know, she is not sitting down across the table from no, exactly. a fat friend mm-hmm. no. and saying, I feel this way. She is putting this statement out in front of the world. And yeah, I, I don't feel like that context is there, that personal one-on-one thing in yeah. this sort of artwork. So, so I mean, I have a lot of feelings about this. We got um, another listener, listener mail kind of asking what, I don't know, for more stuff for me, which I had, I had some back and forth with them. I talked with some other uh, fat friends who are in fat liberation space about this and like about the, like there was not ill intent with this. And for so many people being fat is their worst fear. So it's like trying to acknowledge that. And like, I don't, I have a lot of feelings. And at this point, I mean, my initial reaction was like, that's kind of dumb. And like the, 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 how the discourse has spiraled out into this thing that what's fat phobic to me at this point is how much brain space I have had to unwillingly dedicate <laughs> to this. And I feel like it's like, what parts of my brain now are yeah. now occupied by Taylor Swift instead of like the like deep <laughs> locked memory of like, 
the smell of my grandmother the first time she picked me up. Like that's good. That's Taylor Swift now. <laughs> um, oh dear. <laughs> and I, so when I was talking to this person about like having empathy, to be clear, not the person who, no, wrote there in, was a, a, a separate person. listener who wrote in Yeah, having empathy towards, you know, thin people who have fears about being fat and also like, I mean, eating disorders and other things I, you know, and while being like marginalized as a fat person who faces societal oppression, you know, medical oppression, all sorts of different things. I also have, and this is like where I kind of went galaxy brain with this person. And thankfully they, they understood what I said. Cause <laughs> I was like, this is, this is going off to a weird place because of where I am in being comfortable with my body and having, you know, fat liberation and having a support system and structure and everything to approach these things. I feel like I have more privilege around peace with my body than Taylor Swift might or other people. Mm -hmm. So looking at it as like, this is not a slight, this is just someone who is not at peace with their body and they do not have ill intent as like uh, for another thing from last week's episode, you know, the woman on the flight who was oh, raging yeah. at fat people. Mm -hmm. Like those are two very different things where like using fat as a pejorative is fat phobic, but so many things are. And I think we need to pick our battles. Like out of all the things to come in fat discourse this year, like the whale is the whale of them. <laughs> and like, I think that is something where it's like, I think more should be dedicated to having conversations around this than like a Taylor Swift music video. It is a personal thing for her. And also like there is so much around the, the brand of Taylor Swift that is its own thing. And I don't think worth dedicating energy as anyone in, you know, eating disorder space, fat space, even like Swifty space. This is, I feel like so much has been dedicated to this and it is not worth the energy and losing the smell of your grandmother and like the, <laughs> your lizard brain. Um, I am perfectly satisfied with the change to the video and I am, I am, I'm discussing this. Um, <laughs> it's it's worth just, on the floor. <laughs> it's also worth just addressing the fact that it is Taylor Swift. Mm -hmm. She is one of the most, she, she has one of the biggest megaphones in the world right now. That message is going to permeate every area of society everywhere. It's going to find the, the people, no matter how innocuous or cruel the message is, it's going to find the people that are, it, that are going to hit the raw nerve with. And when those people dare to speak against Taylor Swift, it's going to cause a controversy because she has so much of a fan base. That's my, that's my two cents. Taylor Swift does not exist in my brain. I have not given her that foothold. That's one of the reasons why I don't think too much about this because I don't no. want her living mm -hmm. in me. And let's move on. Yeah, <laughs> please. please, God. <laughs> Moving on. Palette it's, cleanser. Yeah. <laughs> Palette cleanser, pop culture. Um... I okay so this first piece I um this is um I think a listener wrote this they tagged us meaning wrote the article you're yeah mentioning. yeah about the Lizzo concert in, in Nashville. Nashville yes which uh, I I wanted to include this just because of the opening line of this <laughs> what article. is the opening line? it is a great opening line if heaven forbid something awful had happened at Bridgestone Arena on Sunday night during the local engagement for Lizzo's the special tour. Nashville would have been facing a shortage of ass so pronounced that Davidson County might never recover. <laughs> <laughs> and who wrote that glorious line, Trevor? That was written by Jason Shawhan, or I don't know if it's a Shawhan. I think it's Shawhan. 
or Sean? Shaw, Shawin. Sean? Anyway, it's featured in the Nashville scene magazine. Yes. Am I right? And so it brings affirmation, twerculation, and her unstoppable <laughs> voice to Bridgestone. Yes. I am. I think we should all work on bringing twerculation to our own individual worlds. There's some, the language in this piece is beautiful. Yes. <laughs> it is so colorful. Uh, twerculation was dropped. It's a, it's a really in-depth reliving of the experience of her show. It's not just like a beat by beat retelling of yeah. what she did. It's a, it's an expression of how everybody in the room reacted to the things that she brought to stage. Some of which were the big grand, like audience, uh, arena style showstoppers, mm -hmm. flute solos twerking. But then like, apparently she brings out a couch and has what <laughs> so she the calls, couch rises up, <laughs> <laughs> okay, it rises up out of the stage, which of course it should. Yeah, of course, of course it should. <laughs> if not being lowered down from mm -hmm. above, one of the two, um, to have a more intimate section of the show, it, it really sounded like a blast. And I think specifically th this ties into our next story as well, mm -hmm. or our fat watch, but just the idea that everyone was there in a safe space where there weren't any protesters and there weren't any yeah. assholes out front with mm -hmm. crude signs. It was just like everyone got to go enjoy Lizzo and her message and her energy. And I, I, I what I really love about this article is that uh, Jason, if I'm, if I might be so familiar is really done a great, cause nobody needs a Lizzo review of a concert. Yeah. And nobody needs a blow by blow of like, what did Lizzo do at the concert? Yeah. What mm -hmm. people want is if they can't see Lizzo in person, what is that like? Yeah. And I, and I think, um, I think this author does a beautiful job of capturing that. It made me so excited that I get to see Lizzo in a couple of weeks. I'm so, I was excited, but this just got me like, oh my God, <laughs> yes. 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 So amped. Yeah. So to, amped. to underscore what Dan just said. Yeah. Very much so. Like I think most articles about concerts i i'm not involved with the music scene this made me feel like i wanted to be yeah you know? no it's 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 superbly well written and i think really targeted to what to a purpose that's wonderful mm -hmm. additional uh additional words you'll learn while reading this article flute extravaganza <laughs> um is included ventriloquize i don't know where where or why that might come into use in your daily life but there you oh, go oh i can totally think of it well of course i can <laughs> You know my love for Sesco Pedalia. <laughs> <laughs> if, if this Michael is what it's like being around <laughs> Dan. <laughs> if Michael could spell that, that would be the episode title. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely not. Uh, Will not attempt it. I don't even know how I would search for her. <laughs> Apparently her band, by the way, are called the Lesbians. Oh, uh, awesome. that's a great name. <laughs> I approve. Um, so also in pop culture, we have a new short. From uh, Disney's Short Circuit. Short yeah. Circuit. So this is a series of up-and-coming animators and animation directors from Pixar that get their shot to make a short. And this one creator created this short about... Hillary, Hillary Bradfield. Hillary Bradfield uh, created a short about a young ballerina having body issues. Um, and that moment in class where she looks at herself in the mirror and the, the short, while well, very short, probably like four minutes long. Mm -hmm. It's all that one split moment of her looking at herself in the mirror and deciding if she's good enough in that moment to dance. That's what I, and it should be said. It. She is a very chubby ballerina. She, yeah. yeah. She, and very she chubby is little ballerina. Yeah. It's, you know, in, in classic, uh, I don't know if this is Pixar. It's Disney, Disney animation. Yes. Um, but in classic sort of Disney form, um, there's almost no dialogue. There's almost no mm -hmm. speaking. It's just, it's purely visual. 
Um, and she sort of breaks out of this uh, sort of mirror cage of her inner mind uh, by dancing her way out and mm -hmm. basically sort of recapturing what it was that gave her joy. We, we should mm -hmm. also mention the, the title of it. Did we mention the title? It's called Reflect. Yeah. Um, it's, it's very much her doing the battle with the mirror monster. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Be and because it's, it's a ballet class. So of course, everything is about looking at yourself in a mirror. Yeah. yeah. They, they do all of their um, poses on a bar right next to a floor to ceiling mirror, which mm -hmm. most, I think all ballet classes, yeah, so that's a staple of it. So it seems to be largely well-received. Good. Um, however, yeah. there, there's a take, which is that it sort of plays into the good fatty trope mm -hmm. of she escapes her prison by being good at dancing. I don't know that I fully buy into that. I didn't get that. It, yeah. I mean, the thing is, I think you could say that if, if there were outward approval from the teacher that she is doing good dancing, mm -hmm. the teacher doesn't really factor in besides saying, you know, flat, uh, tuck your tummy. Uh, it's long flat tummy, neck, long flat neck. Flat, flat tummy, tummy, long neck. Yeah, yeah. just she says sort of in the sort of ballet fashion of fixing your posture. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I buy into that take because she, her expression of dancing is not necessarily balletic. No, in fact, she's, there's a whole episode right before the class starts where she's just dancing because she likes to dance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and yeah. she's not doing just ballet moves. Yeah, she's right. doing there's ballet like, moves mixed sort of like with like self-expression. Modern. Yeah, it's just it's, her being her. Mm -hmm. It's her like dancing her way mm -hmm. and having fun and then the class starts. Right. And similarly at the end when she breaks out of the mirror cage, uh, she does the same type of dancing to get back out again and then mm -hmm. looks at herself with a smile in the mirror and that's the end of the short. Yeah, so... The question I wanted to pose to the group, given that we are just coming off of this whole Taylor Swift thing, mm. the filmmaker is not fat. <laughs> I did. So I saw that because I started to watch it and then I saw that and I was like, oh, I, I think I'm going to watch it with everyone. And I noticed that in the concept art, she's thin. She's thin. And then, well, the thinner. I don't think she was ever thin, was she? Well, the, the initial, because I mean, I don't know really the, the stages. They of the have a the character was thin or thinner in the, in the character sketches, but the reflection was always fat. Yeah. So mm -hmm. she looks at herself in the mirror yeah. and sees a fat girl. But and she herself was sort of normal sized yeah. in giant yeah. quotes. But in the final version, the version she sees in the mirror is a reflection of what she sees herself as in real life. Yeah. yeah I mean, so the, the reflection is accurate and both are fat. Yeah. yeah. And at some point in the process, they changed it from her being maybe not ballerina thin, but sort of straight sized to actually being fat for mm -hmm. the real short film. And yeah, so there's, uh, and they, they have this all in this sort of introductory piece. It's yeah. an interview with the director and some of the concept art from the short yeah. where you can see these things. Um, and they don't talk about why they changed it. They just have that there that you can see. Yeah. I don't, I haven't seen anyone talking about that. The thing that made this short a whiff for me, I, I it did not land for me mm. was that, the way she gets past it is she just sucks it up. It's just she decides not to feel bad and voila, she doesn't feel bad anymore. Well, I mean, that's where the that's where the battle is fought. It is, but it it made it so simplistic where I'm like, who is this helpful for? Mm. It's literally just get over it, you know, and mm. that it didn't land. Well, again, it. you know, it's very funny because that, again, is this sort of inward outward thing. That character makes the decision of like, no, I'm not going to pay attention to those voices in my head. Mm -hmm. and and that's the route to success i think it's a very different thing to say then that then the movie or the short is asking you to get over the voices in yeah. your head and this is a you know, i i think it's asking too much of art to cater to all people all the time for all purposes mm -hmm. and i mean a short like and it's a fucking short <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah 
I mean, literally the entire short is that moment of looking at herself in the mirror. That's mm-hmm. what the but entire th- short. Yeah, I exactly. think that is yeah, yeah, perfect. I think that can be a really powerful thing. And that is like a very common thing for helping fat people find peace with their bodies. Like really just being able to be with yourself in the mirror. And I think I almost wish that actually that shot of her looking at herself in the mirror were longer. Mm -hmm. And I mean, once again, it's a short, so you can't spend like, (laughs) I don't know, an eighth of the short of her just like really having a moment. But I think like having a moment of her really looking herself at the mirror instead of like, you know, I yeah. think doing the coy smile that we kind of get, mm. but is that's, way to do it. but that's the end result. Like her interaction isn't actually in, in the cartoon itself. Her interaction isn't with herself. You don't see her. She is not looking at herself. She's looking at a mirror monster, which I get the artistic presentation mm-hmm. of it. But for me, that's, that's hiding the, that sh- there is no moment of contact between herself and herself. I don't see that until She's already out the other no, side. I don't. I don't I, and she approaches no, the mirror. Every aspect of the mirror, she's reflected in it. Like that's yeah. Like she every because when it fractures, that's the thing. It's like you have the mirror, and then it sort of is animated to sort of fracture and explodes into this mirror monster and surrounds her. Yeah, and then more fractures occur that cause more facets of the mirror to reflect her even more. Like you mm. see more and more versions mm-hmm. of herself continuing to surround her as it continues to fracture and it becomes overwhelming. So mm-hmm. instead of five reflections, there are 30 and then 80, you know, like that was the visual escalation of, of her battle. That's true. But by if in my memory, by the, when she's actually fighting the thing and making portions of it going away, the reflections of herself aren't in it anymore. It's just these shards. Um, so as far as like saying that she can dismiss this thing by connecting with herself and accepting who she is, I didn't. I don't get that moment. That I don't see that. I think that's the end. That yeah. that was the end of. And it. my argument is that when she's connecting with herself, she's already past it. She's done. That's the reward, not the process. And I, to I me, mean, that's I, yeah, I, I guess a, I that's just, less of a reward, and it's less of a guidebook for me to follow. Yeah, but it's I, not. I a, it's it not a guidebook. I, I think. But I, I, mean, I guess I'm flummoxed by why you are even looking for a blueprint. Because that's what this, what the, I think for me, that's what a piece like this is supposed to be. It's supposed to provide I mean, a, a method for you to find your way through the, the I think it's a piece of art. In, in uh, this, I mean, right. I think the, if you're looking for the method and kind of the journey she goes on, the battle and reward are almost the same thing. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. The battle is being with herself and the re- reward is she can be with herself. Yeah. I think it's, I don't know. I mean, I'd be curious, but also it's like, I liked it and it was neat and I don't, uh, I would be more excited if we're talking about blueprints and, uh, fat positivity and ways to achieve that. I think we can just go right into fat watch. Cause we're going to have a lot to say about this. Scooty too. <laughs> <laughs> we're fat watch. We, uh, we pulled you through. It's, uh, we're going, we're soaring. To fat camp. And I know, listener, you're thinking, fat camp? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, yes, listener. <laughs> a different uh, kind of fat camp. Yeah, I, I think this was inspired by an episode of Maintenance Phase, which is a, a wonderful podcast about all the nonsense in the fat world. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, anti-fat world, I should say. So um, Maintenance Phase did a deep dive into fat camps and kids being sent to fat camps to become unfat. 
and the fact that they still exist. And they still mm-hmm. exist. In I, I went to one. Yeah. And so um, I believe uh, a woman. Uh, Jackie Malloy. Jackie Malloy. And uh, one other person. Um, it was the camp was started by Al- Allison Rampa and Erica Chiswick. Um, and they had it in Newark, Ohio, and basically invited uh, fat women uh, to come have a sort of. Re, I guess reimagining or retaking re-experiencing of, of mm. re-experiencing of what fat camp should be <laughs> which is a camp where fat people can go to feel good and safe and mm-hmm. swim and do camp activities and you know eat s'mores and tell ghost stories around the campfire and adult camps like this this is not a new concept mm-hmm. I've heard about gay gay summer camps mm-hmm. for adults who weren't able to have a you know a real summer camp experience when they were a kid because they were so obsessed with saying you know in the closet or protecting themselves and mm. all that stuff. So growing up and getting to do those things later in life, look, I'm a geek. I love video games. I love cartoons. And yeah, I think a big part of it may be to reconnect with a childhood that was messed up a little bit, mm-hmm. you know? So that makes sense. I think this is a common need for people to reconnect to positive childhood memories that they didn't get to have the first time around. Mm-hmm. It reminded me of the pool party from Shrill. Absolutely. Yes. Except extended for five days, however long it was. Yes. Um, and you get to go. And I mean, people, they they had multiple quotes. So the person uh, who sort of wrote the articles, Jackie Malloy, um, in, in, this is an NPR uh, for the picture show. Um, and they were able to basically do a sort of photo. It's a photojournalism article. So she wrote the article um, and then had all these pictures included. And... Uh, they there was multiple points where different people who attended the camp said, "I wish I could have just stayed in the water the whole time mm-hmm. in the pool, just floating and having fun and talking." Mm-hmm. And it's I love they have like they served uh, meals on the like yeah. seventy style cafeteria trays, like you were actually <laughs> at a kids' summer camp. Mm-hmm. The other thing that struck me about it too is it's women only, so no men allowed. And I and the purpose of that is to like take the sexual tension out of the air and to just make it about the campers. Mm-hmm. and their bodies and their relationships to each other and their bodies. And of course, my mind went to a lot of the big boy events that I've been to over the years, like Bigger Vegas. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's true. Cause the, the thing that people love most about that is just the liberation of being in the water, of being with fellow fat folks. And the thing that people are really having trouble with is like, oh my God, it's a fucking dating game. Yeah, Like it's, the, the stakes can be so high and, and so um, crazy making. Mm-hmm. And I think there should be a gay fat men version of this. I think there should be <laughs> a chaser version of this, which just the chasers. And then oh, they're, they're across the lake and there they can have be to like be across the <laughs> lake. Yeah. rivalry. Yeah. And then at yeah. the end, there's camp. like the big um, camp dance you know, or something. Yeah. Or like, was, oh, oh, the two camps get together yeah. for, a, for a prom. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just picturing the panty raids. That was not my intent when I brought this up. I don't know. I, I like it because I just think of times when Dan has been folding my laundry. <laughs> um, anyway, so definitely check this article out yes. because there's a lot of storytelling in it. There's a story about the telling ghost stories around the campfire that I don't want to spoil, but it's very good and you should go uh, listen to it. There's sort of a surprise twist on that. And uh, attended by 30 different women from six states in the surrounding area. I think that could get even bigger and bolder and beautiful. We'll, do a, <laughs> we'll do a big fat gay summer camp. Maybe uh, a yes. listener you want to, you like that? I don't know. Let us know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we're going, we're going straight. I actually feel like that's a good way yeah. to kind of segue into our main topic. Oh, indeed. Of indeed. like what it is like to be in your body 
and how your perceptions of your body can change depending on where you are mm-hmm. yeah, and the people around you. In time and in space. Yes. So as much as like, you know, I, I mentioned during our, uh, our fat watch that I went to a, a fat, uh, a fat camp for kids. Mm. And I have to say like, I hated all the exercise. I mean, there was a lot <laughs> of stuff. They made you play soccer. They made you go, Oh, they made you go on these fun runs. Okay, oh, there God. is nothing fun about <laughs> walk running a four-mile oh, loop. Uh, you can't make it fun. That's not fun. Yeah. That no, is I would not enjoy untruth that, in advertising. Even remotely. But that said, my time in fat camp around other fat kids or kids who had been fat was probably the least self-conscious time mm, I ever mm. had through my formative years. Was it boys and girls or was it? It was single? co-ed. It was co-ed. Although it was... One side of the lake was the boys, one side of the lake was the girls, <laughs> and then you got together for activities. Ah. Um, oh, wow, wow. Yeah, but I, I will say, like, you know, there was a lot of body diversity in the camp, but I never felt fat bullied or fat shamed mm. by any of the uh, thin or normie kids because mm. they all knew what it was like, and we outnumbered them, and we could eat them if they got mad. <laughs> you know? Well, there were, were there straight-sized people there? Yes, or? plenty. Um, who maybe were, you know, they'd come to the camp before and lost weight oh, or, you know, uh, or it was a camp that was near them and, you know, they just wanted to go. I'm sorry. I, just, I don't know. Like imagine like a kid who's like then thin and their parents are like, well, let's send you back to fat camp to make sure you don't get fat. Like, is it that or? No, it's the kid wanting to go back to see their friends again. Yeah. yeah. See okay. the activities totally they enjoyed. That. I mean, I hate that four mile fun run. <laughs> Fuck you, fun run. But you know what? I love the arts and crafts. And, you know, the swim time and the lake was great. And kids were awesome and non-judgmental. I would have wanted, I, I actually did go two summers, I think. I, I've actually heard that a lot from people who yeah. would go to Bigger Vegas or some other big boy event. And they w- they've lost weight between the time they were there and are there. And they're like, no, I just wanted to come and see everybody. Yeah. Hmm, that makes I don't sense. know. I encountered someone who said... Well, I guess if I don't lose weight, I'll come back next year. There's that, but that's uh, kind a, of the wrong reason to be on in the first place. As they uh, had their two uh, pina coladas <laughs> in hand. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're going to meet a mix of people with all sorts of motives at all of these things. But that context was all important to me. You know, and then I, I also went to a computer camp when I was younger and everyone there was skinny. Very skinny. Is it painfully skinny? I would have thought you would have had some fat nerds. Nope. Hmm. Very skinny. That's weird. Very they pale. All got, they all got like uh, I was gonna go to computer camp one year, and uh, it didn't happen because my dad's like, "Well, we'll tell him it's computer camp." Oh my god! And oh, then it'll no. be fat camp. <gasps> that is. Oh yeah. Mm. They um, they just straight up lied to you. I mean that that they, that was they were the plan. Going that to. wasn't the actuality. Oh, okay, okay. It, that it didn't happen. I was like, why didn't I get to go to computer camp? It's like because it was never computer camp. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. oh my god! It was fat camp or nothing, and they chose yeah. nothing. I thought this topic was interesting because I have had this so many times throughout my life of like the the shift in perception of my body, but also just body size in general. Like coming from Chicago to California, where. <laughs> I, I didn't realize that like people in Chicago are just like bigger in general. Mm-hmm. Just like, say it, say it. I mean, okay. So there was a, so I, I used to think everyone in California was thin, but now it's like, oh no, people here are just like quote unquote normal size. And people in Chicago are just like 
fatter <laughs> or just like I was I think my favorite moment is when we went back to Chicago you'd been living here for like yes. a year or two we go back to Chicago and you notice oh my god the pigeons are fat <laughs> <laughs> yeah because I thought, the, thought you saw fat pigeons go to Chicago <laughs> you yeah. have not seen fat pigeons they're yeah, just like yeah, baked yeah. potatoes <laughs> they're wings which is yeah. kind of funny because I was just looking at two birds outside your window before while you were mm-hmm. in the bathroom and they looked ripped to me. Yeah. They had like chiseled <laughs> well, We are in physiques. West Hollywood. We are in West Hollywood. <laughs> were they wearing their tank tops? They kind of were. We have, <laughs> Don, we have standards. And <laughs> <laughs> um, no, no, it's true. But yeah, it's, um, it is definitely a matter. I mean, one of the things I, I don't always talk about is that fat is a localized event. Mm-hmm. So what, what did it feel like going back to a space that has more fat people. I just love it because <laughs> it's like, I mean, it's home, but it's also like feels like coming home. It's like, oh my God, people here are just like, I don't know. Like I go back, it's like, oh, people here are normal. Yeah. Where you can eat a pound of sausage <laughs> made with a pizza and feel like, yeah, that's right. Oh, damn, please. <laughs> One pound. Just as the way God intended. <laughs> Ooh, pizza um, with a sausage crust. No, it was. That's a, a thing. That's a that, no. That, yeah, yeah. That, oh, you didn't know that. That's the, the healthy dish. option. That's the healthy option in Chicago. It's, it's keto. Literally, <laughs> the meat crust wow. instead of the bread, the pizza dough crust. And now I kind of want one, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, and you know, so you can have your cake and ice cream on the go. You get a cake shake from Portillo's. <laughs> they, they make a milkshake and then they take a slice of chocolate cake and scrape it in. <laughs> And you get, it's wonderful. I think you need to reiterate your, uh, your take on Chicago cuisine. Uh, Chicago food is, so imagine a food and now think about if it, how it could kill you. <laughs> so a shake, if a shake could kill you. Right. Yeah. A pizza, if a pizza could kill you. With its bare hands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but it's weird because like just going back and forth and then like there was a moment when I was in Chicago where I was, um, it was it with some friends and we were sitting in my friend's car waiting to pick someone up. And I was just looking around on the street and it's like, everyone is fat. <laughs> and it was just, but it was almost like a weird dream sequence or something. Cause there was like the cop on the street, like directing traffic and he was fat. And then like this beautiful woman on a bicycle and like a dress riding her bike. And it's like, and she's fat. And then just like, <laughs> everyone's and just like all just fat businessmen and fat, <laughs> all like just everyone going about and, and the fat pigeons <laughs> and it's just like oh just people are built differently here yeah that's it <laughs> <laughs> well but i don't know also like seeing you know like just a lot of women over six feet who are just like thick and just like I don't know. They could beat you up. <laughs> like, <laughs> women who look like they could just like pick you up by the throat. Yeah, yeah. Stop. You're getting me hot. <laughs> um, and I don't know. It makes sense then like when you, you're in the winter and just feel like knives are cutting through you that just, oh, people would of course just be thicker and have more insulation. Yeah. Yeah. Do you find that in Chicago, the city is better geared to accommodate fat people? Oh, too? definitely. Oh, okay. But I think also just like it's, because it's more just ex, like handicap accessible. Mm-hmm. Well, I, things I, I, that are more handy, like handicap accessible does not necessarily mean fat accessible. Yeah. But I feel like, but it's likelier. Yeah. But and, I, I think the two things that when you talk about Chicago, as opposed to here, like, you know, here in our little West Hollywood enclave, I'll say, let's take a walk. And Trevor's like, no, the Hills, 
the hills. <laughs> <laughs> and like, what I mean, hills? We, it's like, and then you realize, oh, from from Chicago's perspective, everything is. Flat. I'm sorry, did you say what hills? You literally live on a hill. Uh, but I grew up here. This isn't a hill. It is a hill. Runyon Canyon is a hill. Canyon is a hill. No, the Hollywood hills hill. are Which, right there. And I don't live in the Hollywood hills. <laughs> but we're in the foothills of. But the my hills. point is, this topography to me is like normal. Whereas Chicago is so. It's like a glass coffee table. If you spilled a drink on a Chicago sidewalk, it would go nowhere. (laughs) That sounds great. Yeah, it's wonderful. And I think also just like it is a city so that like if you have trouble walking, but you still want to take public transport, you can get off the train and then there is a bus. Like you could avoid walking Mm -hmm. or even if you use a mobility device, like most of the... The train stations have elevators and stuff and just, it is flat. So it is easier to navigate things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And LA is all about fitting in a car. They're, 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 the thing about public transportation in Los Angeles is yes, we have it, but it will only take you one place per day. Yeah. You'll have to use private transportation to, to get, get to, to the, the public, public transportation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And then is, private transportation to get <laughs> from where it takes you to where you need to go. Um, yeah. It's idiotic. It's yeah. so bad. I will say though, so that, you know, Chicago is home, but I, and, you know, I feel more normal there as a fat person, but within my family, I feel kind of weird because I'm in my entire extended family, both sides, I'm the fattest person. Um, my immediate. No, <laughs> no he has the trophy. It's on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> For both, both sides. Combined. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, and my, like my immediate family, like everyone's weight has kind of fluctuated, but at, at this moment in time, everyone is thin. That could change and probably will change. Mm. And Don, you were talking about, I mean, this was kind of one of the inspirations for the episode. I don't know if you want to get into. Yeah. I mean, the long and the short of it is that I have recently reconnected with my birth family on my father's side. They are Samoan, right? So the extended Samoan family that I'm beginning to see on Facebook and beginning to be introduced to, um, I'm six foot three, six foot two. I weigh 390 right now. And I'm a size medium in the new family. Yep. Right. They're most of the guys seem to be taller than me. Uh, if they are not my weight, they often seem to be a little heavier. But when you compare that to the family I grew up with, you know, my father is five foot three. My mom is five foot two. Uh, <laughs> you know, my uh, my father was a physical trainer when he was younger. My mom was a beauty contestant when she was she was second runner up for Miss Pan America mm. back in the 60s. So both of them have always been very thin, very mainstream attractive. And that set up certain, you know, I am not <laughs> those, I am not those things. <laughs> so it sets up this certain context where you always feel a little bit out of place. And then I'm seeing a family where I'm wondering, what would I have seen myself as if I'd grown up around mm-hmm. bodies like mine, where I didn't feel so far outside of the norm? And so when you're talking about Chicago, I get that, mm-hmm. you know, it's like you're going back to a place where you could conceivably stand in a crowd and people won't pick you out instantly, you know, and that, that has never been my life. So I'm, I am curious now that I'm starting to put my toe in that water. Mm. It's an interesting world when you can actually fit in and you don't feel like, you know, you're, you're the zebra wearing a neon flashing sign Mm -hmm. above your head in the herd, you know, (laughs) eat this, you know? I think it's also interesting because like, I know people who, are fat who are in very, you know, fat families where like everyone's fat, but there is, you know, they are the most comfortable in their bodies. Yeah. And 
everyone's fat, but it's like, well, it's everyone's problem. And it's just this thing of like, there's so much toxicity around it, even though it's like you are normal, but everyone's wrong and you're wrong. Yeah. Hmm. Um, um, interesting. So Michael, uh, my, my partner who's a super chub moved out here from actually from Nashville mm -hmm. call back to earlier. Um, uh, never, having never lived outside of Tennessee. I mean, he he had traveled, but he hadn't, you know, hadn't actually settled down anywhere outside of Tennessee. And obviously, similar to Chicago, I mean, Tennessee is the kind of place where you're going to see a lot more fat people than you will <laughs> in, you know, New York or LA. Mm -hmm. New York or LA, or I would say even just the coasts in general. Maybe. <laughs> where the, the Midwest and we're, we're weighing down the country so it doesn't <laughs> float away. Yeah, it's exactly. <laughs> Um, and so he came out here, he moved in and he actually said to me a couple days ago that basically every time he goes out in LA, he finds himself wondering if he's the fattest person that the people around him have ever seen, which I think is likely is yeah. likely, but then <laughs> yeah, to have that awareness <laughs> to, uh, to answer, uh, <laughs> that Michael's question. Yes. <laughs> well, I, that's what I said. <laughs> Um, so anyway, I think we could go on. Maybe we'll revisit that because I feel like there's a lot of yeah. untouched. Parts I think this of would subject. be a good opportunity for listeners to kind of tell us because I think it would be fun mm -hmm. to revisit this with listener stories of yeah. like, this is where I live and this is my ex fat experience or like, this is my fat family dynamic or my and how being it, fat and like what it is like. And how it might have changed if you've gone from a different place or different space or different size. Yeah you know, how have you observed the differences between where you are or when you are? Or if there's anyone in Don's boat where like you went to a different family. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Marrying into like, I don't know. I would love oh, to yeah. hear chasers hearing about like marrying into oh, a fat yeah. family. And like, especially cause like very often chasers come from environments where there's a lot of like, I don't know, fat toxicity. Absolutely. And it's like, they are from like a super thin family with like a lot of body stuff marrying into a fat family where it's like, <laughs> I don't know, just like fat joy. <laughs> I would love to hear stories like that. So I don't let us know. Yeah. Um, no tip this week. Uh, have a, a bit, a bit of a bit. We do have a bit. A bit of honey. Uh, so since we were talking about uh, context today, one of the things I was thinking about is camouflage. Camouflage is all about context. Hmm. Something that can okay. stand out like a sore thumb, like a tiger, you know, orange with black stripes in a jungle. How is that hiding from things? When you understand the context of what it's hunting and that they are colorblind, that the orange fades into the background and those mm. little slashes make them nearly invisible. And super stylish. And mm -hmm. super stylish. I mean, just ask Hobbes. Yep. <laughs> and an endless source of frosted flakes. He'll go on about it. He'll write poetry about it. <laughs> so sometimes understanding what cam camouflage is can be difficult until you know the context. I like that. Okay. So uh, what I'm going to do here is I'm going to give you guys hints. Try and give me the answer. Okay. okay? Moths use a very special camouflage defense that most of us wouldn't even recognize. A light, colorless powder on their wings. Who does it protect moths from and how? For ding, 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 ding. Dan. Maybe, maybe. Either, the, either I'm going to be right on the mark or completely wrong. Uh, it, it makes them invisible to birds who can see in the ultraviolet spectrum. That is incorrect. Buzz. Damn. Michael. Um, it, this powder helps if they get caught in a spider web, it helps them wriggle free because it has, it won't, it, the powder will stick, but they won't. That may be possible, but that's not the actual function of the powder. Hmm. You, you may be right on that though. I don't know. Okay. All right. So first hint, you can't see it. Hint two, you can't smell it. Hint three, 
A submarine couldn't find a moth. Buzz? Trevor. It protects them from bats. From, from the sonar. From yeah. echolocation. The oh. powder actually muffles sound. It prevents the echolocation of the bat from bouncing off them. So moths actually do have a defense so against like sonar. So it's like absorbent. It's like yeah. dampening. Yeah. It's dampening. a sound That's dampening wild. effect. Genius. Crazy. Why didn't I think of that? Because <laughs> you're not a moth. <laughs> I love that. All right. In World War II, ships were always in danger because of how easy they were to spot. A number of different attempts were made to try and hide ships to varying degrees of success. One of the failed methods, for example, was Mount Batten Pink, a bright Pepto-Bismol pink color that would stand out against water or sky, but the military thought it might help ships hide during what specific conditions? One, wasn't supposed to help up close. Buzz. Sunset and sunrise? That is correct. They specifically thought that a ship on the horizon painted bright pink might be able to hide during... But Dawn it would still sunset. be a silhouette. Like you, you are correct. <laughs> it did not work at all. Oh. I mean, if there's no light coming from the side that you're observing, it will still look dark. Yep. <laughs> it did, however, and this is just a side story I think is so neat. The Mountbatten pink actually did give rise to dazzle camouflage, which did apparently work. Hmm. The way dazzle, dazzle camouflage works is they paint the ships with all these sort of strange illusory angles using black and white checker patterns. Oh, I've seen that. Hmm. And it makes it from a distance very difficult for people to figure out which way the ship is moving. Oh, they can't figure out if it, which the, which end is the front or if it's facing towards you or if it's facing away from you, um, which makes targeting it with guns very difficult because you can't tell which way it's moving. Hmm. That's clever. Yeah. I thought that was cool. All right. I mean, sorry. I was thinking about the pink, <laughs> I was trying to make it work that it was like hippos because hippos <laughs> got like pink tummies and stuff. And I was like, where would they be? Oh, I thought you were thinking. Where would a submarine be that a hippo would also be <laughs> and like far enough away? All right. Last one. Los Angeles has a booming industry that it works very hard to conceal from its residents. <laughs> These businesses are scattered all around the city. You may have one as your neighbor, but you might never find out. What are these oh, businesses? I can only, oh, I think how I are they here? I can only think buzz. of a dozen. We have a buzz from Trevor. Um, the, it's oil drilling and they build houses around it. That is houses correct. Houses with no windows, which is so fucking yeah. creepy. Houses and no with doors. no windows or paints. They do have doors, they do? but they don't work. Oh, they don't know. Okay. <laughs> um, there usually is a way of access, but do you guys know where the closest one to you is? I looked it up. La Cienega? It is, in fact, on La I know where the closest one to you is, I'm pretty sure. I know the uh, the, the, the bank, the escrow center on uh, Wilton, Wilton and uh, Hollywood. Hollywood, yeah. yeah. Okay. The biggest one near you guys is the Beverly Center. Holy shit. What? The Beverly Center is built around an oil derrick. <gasps> is that, that why you, it, it's never as big as you think it should be? Mm-hmm. Like when you go walk around and it's like a maze trying to get through that place? <laughs> yep. There is just sort of this empty spot in the middle where oh there is God, an oil derrick so working. The theories are true. <laughs> oh my God. And that's why it stayed open all these years. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, because no one in their right oh, mind shit. would go there. It's like the most unfashionable mall in America. Yeah, well, <laughs> there's an oil derrick in the middle of it. <laughs> that, oh my God. That and If you live in Los Angeles, we have just solved the mystery of the universe. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> this is... God, it's a terrible mall. Because you've, so you've always wondered. You've always wondered how that place is It's a huge mall, but it it seems hard to get around. And there's in nothing there. there. There's nothing <laughs> wait, there. There's like wait, there's like are three you, stores. They remodeled the or the they? fake mall. 
hiding <laughs> the oil drills. They did. They, they did, did a huge, like, multi-million dollar remodel on it. And it's like, are you... And I was like, why are they spending money on this? If, and by the way, if any of our listeners out there are not planning to come to Los Angeles and you'd like to see the Beverly Center, uh, you can see it obviously in photographs from Google, or you can watch the Woody Allen film Scenes from a Mall, which is the <laughs> oldest version of the, of, of the Beverly Center. Oh. And you will never want to go there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, pre-remodel. So, yeah. <laughs> Trevor, I'm curious. If our audience members want to hide an oil derrick in LA, Ugh. where can they go to tell us about it? We're on Twitter and Instagram as at Big Fat Gay Pod. Or on Facebook as the Big Fat Gay Podcast. Five stars there. Five stars on Apple. Reviews. Oh, everything. thank you for our recent ratings, by the way. I keep forgetting to say it. We've gotten a few more. Thank you Ooh. very much. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Um, support us on Patreon. At, hear all about our pumpkin story. Yeah. Patreon.com slash Big Fat Gay Pod. See the articles we talked about at www.bigfatgaypod.com. Yeah. Nice. Well, maybe um, you're you're still listening. <laughs> no chance. <laughs> and you're uh, you're going like home. <laughs> you're going home, and you you're, you're putting your key in the door, but it's not turning, and it's because you never had a house. Whoa. It's it's been an oil <laughs> drilling thing all along, and you you look at your hands and your oil. So oh no. watch out! What a horrible face! Does that mean you're getting drilled by your own house? Oh, Ooh, boo. good job, good job. Boo! They'll never hear it over the music. <laughs> <laughs>